Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Bleak Haven. I'm your host, The Birdman, and today with us we have Mr. Kirk Smalley with Stand for the Silent. How's it going, Kirk? It's going well. And we have with us back the lead pessimist himself, Donald Ruse. Well, howdy. <laughs> Talking about his uh, his new book, uh, Credence and Stuff. Credence and Stuff. Credence and That's Stuff. The That's the full title. <laughs> Kirk, what, what is Stand for Silent? Stand for the Silent. Uh, Stand for the Silent was started back in 2010 after my wife Laura and I lost our 11-year-old son to suicide because of being bullied. Um, we're simply an organization that doesn't want to see that happen to another child or another family. And so we travel around and we speak at schools and communities about suicide and, and bullying and, and try to make a difference and make it stop. I can really get down with that. I, uh, I under, I understand as much as anybody, how bullying affects kids in school. Uh, what were some of the steps you had taken to get to this point? Basically we go anywhere that we're invited to speak and, uh, that has actually led us all over the world. I've only been keeping track of how many schools I've spoken at for about four and a half years. I've been doing this for 11 years, and but I've only been keeping track of numbers for the last four. I've spoken in the last four years at 1,597 schools to a little over a million 600,000 kids. Wow. Um, we now have chapters of Stand for the Silent in 39 different states where we have 333 chapters right now in the United States in 39 states and we have chapters in 18 different countries. I really appreciate the the message. I think suicide and bullying is something that's really difficult to talk about for a lot of people and not just kids for adults too. Sure. So I really appreciate that you're going out there and talking about it because I think the most important thing for these kids that are going through this stuff is is realizing that they're not alone in it. That's exactly right, Stanley. Um, you know, what you just said is is so so important. You know, suicide has always been a taboo subject for most people, especially when you're talking about children taking their own lives. Uh, people don't want to talk about it. Heck, they don't even want to think about that. You know, um, we have lost. In the last seven years, I have a list of over 66,000 children that we've lost in the United States to suicide because of being bullied. It's the second leading cause of death in our young people in America now, second only to car wrecks. On that list of 66,000 kids, the youngest one I know of was six years old. Guys, when we have a six-year-old child taking their own life, it's way past time that we do whatever we can to make that stop. And we have to let these kids know that they're not alone, that they're not the only ones that have ever had those thoughts, and that we can talk about it. We can talk it out. We don't have to act it out. Another amazing statistic in our country right now is that one out of every four children will actually have a plan on how they would take their own life before they graduate from high school. 25% of our kids have a plan on how to do that. And like I say, every single one of them seems to think that they are the only one that has ever felt that way. Nobody knows what I'm going through. And we've got to let them know that they're not alone in this. 
and again, that's why it's so incredibly important with that, with numbers like that, this is a plague on our society. And it's, it's incredibly important to talk about it and get, get these kids the help they need. Cause it's, I mean, I, I was a kid myself. It's, it's a scary time and it's a scary thing to think about the future. It's hard to think about for the future for these kids and they're they're applying this permanent solution to these temporary problems and it's it's something we got to let them know that it's it's okay to feel these feelings and it's it's okay to talk about them and we can we can work through it you're right especially with the pandemic that's hit hit us you know cyberbullying has increased 75% in the last 6 months because of directly related to the pandemic kids are spending more time online they're spending less time with out in public with their friends in person. So we've seen a huge increase in cyberbullying, you know, and, and we got to get a handle on that as well. Donald, do you have anything to add? I just want to say that I really appreciate Kirk and his organization. Stan and I had an opportunity a few months back, I think just about a month back, to talk to him and, and say that as well. But it's incredibly important that kids have something to hang on to and i i think it's just so cool that you've been able to give that to so many students and visit so many schools thank you kurt well i appreciate what you're doing donald uh i don't know if you guys can i let the cat out of the bag about our collaboration yeah, yeah, yeah we please can do. talk about it okay. <laughs> okay i didn't know if i was allowed to or not well, uh, you're fine this you is know, kind of a debut for it i think well uh you know, Bleak Haven and Heaven and us are stand for the silent are kind of collaborating on a uh, on a little project, and we hope that that it helps spread our message and helps save a lot of kids. You know, Donald is a, a key figure in that. You know, I'm excited to see what what they come up with on this. Uh, you know, when I was a kid, I uh, I collected comic books. I got called nerd because of that. Actually, now it's kind of a, a title that I wear proudly. It's a little different when you get older. You know, nerd to me now doesn't hurt. But as a child, it, it hurt a lot. The comic book uh, industry has a, an amazing audience and an, an amazing opportunity to help spread messages. We've We've utilized that industry in previous uh, campaigns and stuff. And it really helps spread a message, especially to people that are nerds, you know? <laughs> uh, so I, I'm really excited about this project and I'm, I'm looking forward to, to getting it launched as soon as possible, so. Well, so are we, we've been working hard on it. It's been a lot of fun. Donald's come up with a lot of really great stuff for it. We're going to have a finalized script soon. We're, we're really excited. And, and I think that the nerds again are, are some of the people that feel a lot of these emotions. I was bullied as a kid for reading Star Trek and comic books and stuff, mostly in middle school. I totally get how kids can be insecure and latch onto these things. And I feel that pain just as much as the rest of us. I was, I was a big nerd growing up and I grew up in a small town. So it was hard dealing in a farming community with being a nerd and stuff like that. It's kind of cool to see how back in the day it used to be, you know, nerds, you know, were pretty much cast aside, but nowadays it's like nerds are like the forefront of everything. Like we've, yeah, it's we're ruling everything. <laughs> so the nerds shall inherit the earth. <laughs> uh, this is something I wanted to add, if I may, is uh, 
the importance of fiction in psychology. I think especially with, with young people, fiction is so important because it allows themselves to separate their reality and their feelings and come to a conclusion of what's going on in their own life. So I think with this book and with other stories that exist, children and, and really anyone can see different situations play out and then they can kind of make a decision on what's right, what's not right, what should be done, what their options are to handle difficult situations in their life. The amazing thing about fiction is it allows us to separate our problems with our reality, allowing us to make decisions on how we're going to move forward in life. So giving that opportunity through the fiction of Bleak Haven, through fantastic fictional characters like Bert and the, uh, the young characters of this issue, kids are going to be able to separate themselves from their reality, putting themselves in the shoes of someone else, figure out how they can have solutions to their own problems. And it's been something really fun to explore and uh, something that I'm really excited to see help, especially young children in their, in their lives. And it's just been an incredible opportunity. To add to that, that's um, really where this book Credence was kind of based was the C.S. Lewis quote. I'm going to butcher it, but basically the gist of it is C.S. Lewis says we need to give children stories of brave knights and heroic deeds in order for them to grow up and know how to deal with their own dragons, so to speak. And I think that that's what we're trying to do here with this book in particular. If I make it, uh, the, the, the quote is, uh, children need to have at least heard of knights in shining armor to be able to deal with the oncoming darkness in their own lives. I like that quote. I've never heard that quote before. No, yeah. that's that's actually a pretty cool quote. I mean, that makes a whole lot of sense. Uh, behind every conquering battle has always been brave knights. Well, and, and something interesting about that quote is that was C.S. Lewis defending his validity as a writer because you have this scholarly professor writing stories about fantasy creatures and knights and princesses. And a lot of people weren't taking him seriously. And they're like, why are you wasting your time on children's stories? And that was his defense, is that children need someone to look up to so they can equip themselves with the bravery and the courage that they see in these stories. And understandably, for sure. And the book we're all talking about, so everybody knows, I don't think we've actually said it, is Credence, <laughs> correct? Yep, this is uh, Credence. Issue number zero is going to be uh, the Stand for the Silent edition. Since we're talking about it, Donald, why don't you do a little breakdown of, of what uh, Credence is? Oh, for sure. So um, Credence exists in a world much like our own. It uh, exists in the same universe as Bleak Haven. And uh, it's the story of two boys going on an adventure to save um, an adult leader from a dark fate and mysterious threat. Uh, the, the moral will be explored as we read the comics, uh, but one of the, the main figures in these stories is a mothman named Bert. And he's going to be one of the main characters in our issue zero. 
to explain why it's an issue zero and not issue one is an issue zero is typically a comic book that comes out preparing the world of a story that's um, going to come up. So this issue that we're working on is going to be in the same world and the same timeline as Credence with um, J.D. Roswell and Bert, but it is going to deal with a few different characters and it's going to stand alone as its own story. It's going to be connected to the overarching story, but it does stand alone. And we were hoping to do that so people can pick up this issue having never read an issue of Credence and still get that same level of appreciation and understanding from this one issue. And not have to continue reading either. That's the same right. thing. It's not like you, to read the rest, you're going to have to buy the rest of them. No, it's just one contained story that highlights the issues we've been talking about and showing off Bert in general, who's going to be like the hero of the story. I think also what's important about Credence is, you know, as a kid, I remember these stories that were kind of transparent in what they were trying to do, the PSA sort of things. Like, I mean, the end of G.I. Joe and sometimes Transformers or He-Man or whatever, where they have the moral of the story is like, don't, don't do this, kids. It's fun and silly, but for Credence, I wanted it to be, for this book in particular, I wanted it to be more genuine and sincere than that, because this is a very difficult subject, and it's a subject that a lot of us have dealt with personally. I And this is what I was talking to Donald with, and he's done a great job of capturing the essence of, of Bleak Haven and, and what we need and using these thoughts and emotions to influence the story. Because again, I don't want it to be like Captain Planet where it's, you know, the moral is plastered on the on the face. <laughs> but, you know, I want it to be obvious. But at the same time, I want it to be an interesting story in and of itself. And I think Donald did a, a perfect job of blending the fiction and the the story uh, and making it more realistic. And, and just to kind of give a window on to what the story is like. So we're going to see Bert interact with two different people. There's an imminent threat in a, in a fun fantasy kind of way. It turns people into kind of these shadowy figures um, representing kind of the, the, the darkness that everyone struggles with in life, regardless of your, your standing in life. Everybody has negative feelings, negative emotions, and sometimes those negative emotions get the best of us. This can manifest in, in bullying or self-deprivation -depri or uh, a, a whole host of ways. And so the antagonists or the threat in these books are going to be people basically overcome by like these dark creatures. And Bird is going to step in and help save these people. The interactions he's going to have with um, two characters in particular there are going to be two mini stories, the first one dealing with a young man and the second one dealing with a young woman, is he is going to invite them to have the courage and understanding to help themselves and others. And that's going to be what we're dealing with in, in this particular issue. Something that I love about it is Bleak Haven in general was built on the idea of hope and light in a dark and dreary world. So in, in life, there's a lot of negative and difficult things that we have to go through each and every day. No matter how old we are, no matter our economic standing or 
place in the world, we're all going to have to go through this. But we need to recognize the light, the goodness, and the hope that exists. So the fun thing is, is we get to have the invitation to act on the bright side from a cool insect hero. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. And that goes into the, the core of our writing philosophy that I've forced on you, which is there's two sides to every story. There's the fun, you know, monsters and aliens and explosions and fighting. And then there's what the story is actually about, which, again, in this case is about children who are dealing with bullying and suicidal thoughts and these these really dark, heavy subjects and we're hoping to make it a little bit more palatable and a little bit more, I don't know, welcoming with the story, with the fantasy elements and make it fun for kids to learn about this and, and help them grow um, emotionally and help them understand these feelings a little bit better. I think uh, Stanley pretty much hit the nail on the head. I mean, that's, that's really what I had envisioned was utilizing like he said, a kind of a fun fantasy situation to actually teach a message and, and, and bring a message home and let kids know that, you know, it's okay to, to be who you are. Um, you know, that's what Stand for the Silence main goal is and main message is. Uh, we have little wristbands that we give out to every kid we speak to, and they say, I am somebody. And we firmly believe that, that everyone is somebody and that every single person has the right to be exactly who they are and that someone out here loves them exactly the way they are. You know, that sounds like a pretty easy thing, but it's so, so hard sometimes for kids to understand that. It's so hard for them to understand that somebody actually does care. I don't have to know you to care about you. You know, I tell kids all the time that reach out to me, you know, I love you. And they say, you don't even know me. Well, I always figure, you know, if people can hate for no reason, then I can love for no reason. It's hard to feel it. I think it's it's easier to, to know. It's a simple concept to understand you're important, but it's it's hard to feel that. It's hard to feel that you're important. And that's something that I, I would like to change for kids and not just kids, anybody, that everybody is important. You have people you're important to and you are important in general to the world and that you have a purpose and you have something that you need to do. And that your opinion matters, you yeah, know, exactly. uh, your, your opinion matters. Such small acts of kindness are so rare to find these days you know you can walk around and look at life pretty negatively but at the end of the day it, it helps way more to be part of a community and help the community is important feeling a part of something and feeling like you're not alone validating these dark heavy emotions and and moving on from them is is i think one of the most important things that we all can do Absolutely. Um, hey, Donald, why don't you tell us more about Bert? How did you come up with him? Yeah, from the very beginning, um, Kate wanted to use American folklore as kind of a focal point of the stories that we've told in our universe. And when he said that, I realized that I didn't know a lot about American folklore. So uh, between the two of us, we spent hours and hours researching different myths and stories 
And one of the most fascinating ones that we kept coming across was the uh, the West Virginia Mothman. The idea behind the Mothman is one of the the main versions is that he's he's an omen, right? People would see him, and he's like a like a six foot behemoth creature with big red eyes, and he typically showed up right before um, catastrophes. One of the biggest being a collapse of the Silver Bridge that killed quite a few people. And then throughout the world since then, people have claimed to see the Mothman um, just before catastrophe is struck. And from a fiction kind of action-packed superhero idea, I was wondering, it's like, what if you look at it from a perspective that the Mothman is a hero, right? Namely like a superhero. Superman, for example, is usually always going to a disaster, right? So if you paired Superman with each disaster that he was present at, you could say that maybe Superman was an omen or a cause of certain catastrophes. So I'm like, what if the Mothman was just at a location that a catastrophe struck because he's trying to prevent that catastrophe? And from that idea, we kind of took off with it. We really fell in love with the idea of, of a character who, for the world at large, people kind of see as a bad omen or taboo, but in reality is just trying to save everybody. He just happens to be in the place where disaster strikes all the time. From that idea, we, uh, we really were able to push forward and do a lot of study into like uh, Native American mythology of moths and that kind of idea, which developed to Bert being kind of this prehistoric, not, not like dinosaurs, but just kind of like this being who's been around on earth for a very, very long time, preventing the end of the world. So like every time that, that the world was going to end or a disaster was going to strike, Bert was probably there um, helping it not happen. And, uh, and we've kind of given him a, kind of a sort of uh, like the fun uncle personality, you know, <laughs> where he's not serious all the time and he's kind of a, he's kind of a jokester. I'm really excited for everybody to read this character and hopefully fall in love with him like I have, especially since we have this towering, strong insect creature named Bert. Uh, <laughs> Uh, originally I had come up with with a concept that our heroes were going to find like a village of Mothmen and they were going to be like these tiny sort of pygmy creatures and they were all going to have like fun names like Fuzzbert, uh, Buzzbert and we eventually decided against that but I fell in love with Bert at the end because it's such a silly name for for such like an action-packed exciting hero it's fun and i think bert is a fun concept in general because i do really like the idea of somebody who looks like a monster. obviously we have a lot of monsters in bleak haven and not all of them are actual monsters a lot some of them are actually good natured like the Sullivan, and, and bert kind of goes along that category where he's this large inhuman creature and people are scared of him and they think he's some sort of monster coming to eat him or destroy things mm -hmm. 
but he's good natured at heart. It, it kind of reminds me of Spider Man and his relationship with the Daily Bugle sort of thing. How everybody uh, in the Daily, how J. Jonah Jameson how hates the, him. He's yeah, the he's, menace. Yeah. So that's kind of the way I view Bert. Is he's just he's just trying to do his best. He's trying to do his job. He's trying to help people, but at the same time, he he has this terrifying presence, but also a kind of a silly presence too. Because at the same time he's an insect man and he's kind of funny looking as well so i and i think that that's again something that that i really liked for the stand for the silent because i think a lot of kids uh are insecure about the way they look and they feel like oh i look like you know i'm, I'm fat i'm skinny i'm i look dumb it's, it's the looks can be deceiving things so i really like bert for this to show to kind of help show kids that it really doesn't matter what you look like. It matters what you act like. Let me give you guys a, a little real life example or two of, of a Bert. Okay. And this is why I love this concept. I've worked with several high profile individuals, uh, celebrities, if you will, on, on various projects for stand for the silent. One of them in particular was a WWE wrestler. And his name was Rowdy Roddy Piper. One day I had a phone call from an individual named Rowdy Roddy Piper. And I knew who he was. I'd watched WWE growing up. And he said, Mr. Smalley, he said, uh, I heard about what you do and why you do what you do. And he said, uh, I want to be a part of that. He said, all my life and all my career, I've been portrayed as a bad guy, as a bully. He said, that's not me. He said, that's a part I was paid to, to play. And he said, I'm a people person. He said, Kirk, I love people. And he said, man, I love children. And he said, I don't want to go to my grave being remembered as a bully. He said, I got to get involved with, with Stand for the Silent. And I said, come on. I said, let's work together. Let's let's do whatever we can do to save babies. And he said, I'm in. He said, I'm all in. He said, I will do interviews, whatever. I'll spread your message everywhere I go. And so he did several TV spots for us. Um, I was actually doing a presentation in Iowa on a Saturday when I learned that Rowdy Roddy had passed away. I miss him so much. He was a huge voice for Stand for the Silent. I've met him several times. My wife and I simply adored the man. He he truly loved people. He was always wearing his Stand for the Silent t-shirt when he was traveling. He he was just an amazing man. This is the epitome of Rowdy Roddy Piper. He always had that smile on his face, you know. I had another Burt moment with uh, another individual. Um, his name was Tiny Lister. I don't know if you guys know who tiny lister is if i tell you who he who he played he played debo in fridays y'all recognize that oh yeah well everybody knows debo in fridays was a bully but he did the same thing he said man i got to get involved he said that ain't me that that was a part i played that kind of thing makes me kind of wonder sometimes are bullies really bullies or is that just a part that they're having to play is that a defense mechanism um you know is that something that that they feel like they have to do bert 
kind of falls right in there with, you know, he's, yeah, he, he may look like a bad guy. He may, you know, have a few quirks here and there, but ultimately he's got a good heart and, you know, a lot like Roddy and, and Tiny Lister, uh, they've got good hearts. You know, and if we dig deep enough, I'm, I think we can find the good in pretty much anybody. And, and I Kirk, I, I absolutely love that. I'm sorry for cutting you off, Kate. <laughs> I, I just wanted to mention that uh, in the, the first story that's going to be in the issue, we actually touch on that subject. So, so the, the young man is being bullied, and then the bullies themselves are overwhelmed by these like shadow creatures. Bert comes in and saves the, the main character, and, uh, and then Bert tells the main character that we're going to go save these people. And the young boy's like, but why? <laughs> He's like, these people don't deserve saving. And the main point of the conversation, I hope I didn't just spoil the story for everyone, but I think actually reading it's going to be more impactful than just talking about it. But he invites him to rescue these people that have been causing him pain because he reminds him that we're all capable of darkness and we're all capable of hurting other people. But that doesn't mean that people who are guilty of that are beyond saving or not worth saving. Awesome. I think a lot of bullies bully because they're insecure about things. They have their own issues and they want to validate those issues, which there's nothing wrong in wanting to validate your feelings, but they go about it by making other people feel the way that they feel which is the wrong way to validate it. But I think that, again, if you look deep enough into pretty much anybody, there's there's some good to be found and, and people can change. Bullies can change. That's very, very true, Stanley. You know, um, a lot of times I've always believed that that what you accuse others of can sometimes more than often than not you're guilty of I, I see that a lot people are saying well you're such and such and so and so and in reality it's them that's feeling that or or acting that my dad's actually a lawyer and he uh one thing he told me is whenever one of his clients when he's doing a divorce case whenever somebody's accusing the other person of adultery more nine times out of ten they're the ones that are actually have been adulterous and I think that's uh, incredibly true. I think, again, that projection happens a lot these days. Well, I'm excited to get, get this in the works and, and get it kicked off. You guys just know I'm backing you 100%. And anything I need to do to, to help make it happen, you let me know, and we will make that happen. Yeah. I can't wait to meet Bert. <laughs> well, we're actually going to get a uh, cardboard cutout of Bert, about a six-foot-tall Nice. go get pictures we're getting events underway cassie my wife has been working diligently on getting us a uh, several venues we've turned us into kind of a big campaign sort of thing we've got some events coming down leading up to one big event where there's going to be vendors and food and face painting for kids and all sorts of stuff we're hoping it's a it's going to be a fun time and and we're hoping to get this book funded because, again, I, I believe it's important. And I, I think we're doing good work and Donald's doing good work. We're excited to help Stand for the Silent and help kids in general. Absolutely. Looking forward to this event. Credence, coming to a Scholastic Book Fair near you. <laughs> Maybe. 
Um, if uh, if any listeners would like to support the book, there'll be a link in uh, the description of this on YouTube or in our uh, anywhere you listen to podcasts where you can go and support the book directly on our own website, or you can go to stand for the silent and find out different ways to support there. Because again, I just want to kind of touch on um, before we end how we kind of ended up here. I remember my wife and I were leaving a store here in Salt Lake, Utah, and there were some people who approached us with the stand for the silent booth outside this store and i was like i'm always hesitant when when salespeople or anybody come up to me i'm like i don't know i got things to do that sort of thing but we listened to them and we really enjoyed the message of bullying and suicide prevention and utah especially is it's a really hard place for kids uh, with suicidal thoughts and feelings it's really hard to talk about this kind of stuff openly so we talked to him a little bit and i said well do you have an office downtown they said yeah and so i tried to find their office downtown and they they didn't (laughs) and so i ended up messaging the stand for the silent online asking if i could get some contact information And, and it was actually kirk who responded to me and we found out it was a it was a marketing agency they that he had hired but from there, we, we kind of just kicked it off. I just said, I want to get involved. I want to do something. And, and I think that's the important thing for me is I, right now, I don't have a lot of money. I don't have a lot of things to, to give from a monetary perspective. And so I'm really grateful that I have the opportunity now to give something to stand for the silent end for these kids that's skill-based and time-based, that I can give my skills and time to create this and help make this book and and i really appreciate kirk's support in it and i'm incredibly excited to move forward with this and to see where it all goes stanley uh money has never meant anything to me uh it really truly hasn't what means anything at all to me and anymore in this life is people's hearts and they're caring i know that the emails that we've exchanged, the phone calls we've had, the Zoom conference calls that you and I and Donald and Cassie have had, uh, you know, I feel your heart, man, and uh, I see it, and that means more to me than anything in this world. I know that you're an individual, and and Donald is, and and Cassie is, and I'm guessing if you, if uh, Birdman there is is sitting next to you, that he probably is too. You guys are caring individuals that care about other people and, and especially children. And, and you know, that that's what means something to me uh, is your guys' hearts and your willingness to, to do whatever it takes to help save babies. Because you guys realize that someday it may be your child or your grandchild or a great-grandchild, some someone you never even get to meet that what we're doing is going to impact and maybe possibly save their life from doing what my son did. And, you know, if we all just had that kind of heart, just think of the kind of world we'd have. I appreciate you guys more than you'll ever know. Just know that. And I support 100%, 110% what you're doing. Thank you, Mr. Smalley. We sure do appreciate it. Just before we all conclude this epic podcast, where can we find more information for Stand for the Silent? Just go to our website, uh, standforthesilent.org, and just cruise around on it a little while, and you'll find out pretty much anything 
you know, we do have social media platforms that we're part of. We have a Facebook page. It's Stand for the Silent, parentheses, official. It's got about 305, 306,000 followers right now. Uh, if you just type in Stand for the Silent and click on the first one that pops up, you're probably not going to find us. Go to our website, click on our social media links from there because a lot of the schools and a lot of kids start their own Stand for the Silent page on Facebook and on social media, and they, which is great but it makes it a lot harder to find <laughs> the original one too. So uh, the best way to connect with us on our social media platforms is going to the website and clicking on the links from there. Great. Go, go, everybody go on stand for the silent, give them a follow, you know, make a difference. Donald, what about you? Where can we find your stuff at on social media? So right now uh, on Instagram, I'm on Instagram officially as a writer for Blinkhaven. So that's uh, so BB Roos and uh, and you'll you'll find it. And anything I do can be found in the uh, bleakhaven.com website. So we're we're pretty much synonymous. Great. Feel free to go to the official Bleakhaven podcast on uh, on Instagram and the all yep. the other Bleakhaven content. Yep. There's yep. all sorts of Bleakhaven content. If you look up Bleakhaven comics, pretty much anywhere you'll find us. We're growing and our community's growing every day and. We're incredibly grateful and happy to be with the uh, Stand for the Silent community and and to be listed as one of their partners. So thanks again for that, Kirk. Absolutely. Sure. You can find me on, on Instagram at the underscore Birdman underscore, and you can find me on Facebook at the Birdman Robinson. And I think that pretty much concludes our podcast for the day. So thank you, gentlemen. We hope all the best and uh make sure to tune in next time to the official blue cave podcast i've been the bird man